0: Hey, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to another episode of the Cast. I'm your host, Charlie Barons, and we are, of course, brought to you by Jolly Good Soda. And uh, my guest today is Sharon McMahon. She's Minnesota's own Sharon McMahon. Where is she from in Minnesota? Duluth, actually. Uh, and you've probably seen a bunch of Sharon's videos on Instagram. She has just taken off over the past year. She's got hundreds of thousands of followers, and it's all from Her dedication to facts, you know, which sounds boring, but actually, uh, facts are anything but boring. If I'm being factual about it, because so much of, uh, I guess, our political uh, system right now is is kind of like people rise to power based on false information and misinformation and conspiracies. And Sharon has created this nonpartisan sort of effort to educate the American public. And she's got a great background in it. She's a former high school government and law teacher. And if you can teach high schoolers honest to Pete, you can teach anyone. Speaking as a former high schooler myself, it's been really cool to watch her viewership grow at just over the past few months. Honestly, I've been following Sharon for a little while now and her growth has been exponential, which is hopeful because, you know, it means your average American citizen is hungry for this kind of content, the kind of content that doesn't have the sort of Slanted bias that pretty much all of our politicians have. Certainly, a lot of our media has it. And it's just getting more and more difficult these days to find actual facts and actual truth and to find it in such um, digestible ways. I mean, I, you know, as someone who was a journalist for a long time myself, if you actually want to get down to the truth, it does take a lot of sifting and winnowing. And that is the job of. Journalists, Unfortunately, um, you know, that that really good journalism, though, has been, I would say, suppressed in a lot of ways. It's not the thing that often gets the sexy headlines, gets the clicks, therefore gets the ad dollars. And so when you find someone like Sharon, who takes uh, very important issues and sort of boils them down to these quick uh, Instagram reel type, uh, sound bites and sound bites doesn't really do him justice, but just in a very short video she's able to get um, a lot of truths about how our government works, certain conspiracies going around and she's able to change a lot of people's thoughts because I think what's very unique about her that doesn't exist these days is she's not coming at this with a uh with a hard nosed uh, opinion or trying to change uh someone's thought process from one way uh to another she's simply well, I guess that's not true. She wants people to uh, believe in facts. It's cool to see nonpartisan information about democracy. Uh, she's got hundreds of thousands of followers online. Uh, her followers are called govern nerds. Bottom line, in this age where everyone's just trying to be heard and, and shout at people over social media, Sharon has this very sobering mission to curate facts and, and educate Americans on democracy, politics, and history. I certainly enjoy our videos, and I think you will too. And we'll get to our conversation in a second. But first, uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening to the Cast. Make sure you follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those deals. Uh, Thank you for all your messages. Actually, uh, Sharon uh, is on the podcast uh, largely because so many of you reached out and asked um, for her to come on. And as it turns out, a bunch of Sharon's fans reached out to her asking, um me to be on her podcast which you should check out it's the sharon says so Podcast You can find on all the podcast streaming platforms. But some of what we talked about sort of cross-referenced what we spoke with on her podcast. So it all comes full circle. Give her a follow. We have a bunch of new tour dates coming up. You can check those out on CripesCast.com starting in February. We're going to be on tour for a few months. Uh, We're doing Florida, Denver, Salt Lake City, Boston, Portsmouth, uh, a whole bunch of places. We'd love to see you out there in person. And uh, okie dokes, I think that is about it. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is my guest, Sharon McMahon. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Kripescast. Cast. Oh. Um, oh, honestly, oh, no my
1: pleasure. Thanks. Totally. You,
0: you know, I I will say we re we connected because I think your fans told you that we should talk, but I oh, have. Yeah. I have my fans telling me that as well. So I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that you know we were able to do this. Uh it's yeah. funny that we have so much crossover, but it makes <laughs> sense you being in Duluth and everything.
1: Oh yeah. You um, know, I mean, the people got to represent.
0: They do. They mm-hmm. do. Let's let's first uh kind of let the audience know your story. How did you go from being uh an educator to having Um, of students to having just this massive social media platform where you educate the public.
1: You know, it started because I had to ask myself this question of like, do I want to argue with strangers on the internet about misinformation? Or would it be better if I just made some little videos explaining how things work, which would be ultimately like more useful out in the universe. And I decided against the arguing with strangers on the internet. (laughs) Turns out that actually does not Nope, anybody. No,
0: it doesn't.
1: <laughs> um, and I just started making some little videos that were like, hey, here's how the Electoral College works. Yeah. Not telling people, hey, here's who should win, but just like, here are the facts about how it works because we use it like once every four years. And you know, you don't use it, you lose it. Right. So that was really the I mean, it's a little bit like how you got started, where you're like, let me just put some content out there, see what people like. And they, the videos ended up taking off and people shared them.
0: What was the first video you did that took off?
1: It was a video about the electoral college. I did like a very silly little video where I used some little props where I was like, here's candidate Karen, you know, and I just made it very simple, easy to understand. And it was not, um, it was not partisan. It was not talking about how fantastic, um, Biden was or how fantastic Trump was. Mm -hmm. And it, I think people were like, hold on, this is just information. This is not telling me who to vote for. Like that is weird. I It's unexpected.
0: And what I love about what you are doing is you're essentially doing what journalists should be doing. And, but the journalism has gone in my mind, not all journalism, and I want to make that clear, but a lot of journalism and speaking as a guy who was in that industry for a while, it's gone so far off the rails um, because being in that industry, I can say that what has been valued um, is been getting people to click on pages yep. So, a lot of clickbaity, misleading yep. headlines, or getting salacious stories, or if it bleeds, it leads, that kind of thing. Yeah. And what has been so, it, that's been, I would say, the case for the past. I mean, it's really been the case ever since uh, the ruling. Um, I forget the exact ruling, but basically allowed. Uh, cable news to be super biased, which created Fox news that create yeah. MSNBC, CNN now has gone far one way or the, other. so there's this vacuum of just unbiased information and it's great yes. seeing your growth though, seeing that, uh, increased demand for unbiased information. Mm. Do you see yourself as a journalist?
1: I don't see. That's the thing is I don't see myself as a journalist. I, mm. I don't see myself as a, like, oh, I'm out there taking up the news. Uh, I'm out there, I'm not out there, like talking to people and being like, oh, I got to get a, get a lead on that story. Mm-hmm. Um, which is where I think, you know, journalism is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a couple things here. One is journalism. You're absolutely right. Ap- after the fairness doctrine was eliminated, uh, and you're absolutely right. It gave, right. It gave rise to the, to the cable news comp, you know, compet- competition, um, but journalism has an incredibly important role in making sure that uh, the government is being transparent in making sure that there is um that we're uncovering the all of the information. We're not just swallowing whole what uh, somebody wants us to believe. So mm-hmm. journalists have a very important role. Uh, and i but I do think it's very fair to criticize criticize journalists if they're getting it wrong. And it I, doesn't mean, <clears throat> you know, doesn't mean that you shouldn't say, Hey, that was way out of line. Right. So I don't view myself as a journalist. And I also think it's important to note that nobody is unbiased. Mm -hmm. That is a, that's, that's not a thing because, Mm. um, a bias is just a shortcut in your brain. It's Mm. a shortcut that tells you how to interpret information. So if you are out, you know, you're out on the deer stand and you see, uh, you see a wolf come by, Your brain doesn't have to be like, oh, now are wolves friendly? Should I pet it? Should I feed it? Should I, you know, like, no, your brain automatically is like, oh, stay away from that. Right. Like you have that shortcut in your brain because your brain has already obtained that information and knows what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So that's what a bias is. It's a, like a reflect, it's a reflex of my brain already knows that. And I already know how to interpret that information. And some of us, have very unhelpful biases. You can mm-hmm. see that like throughout the 1960s uh during the civil rights movement, during, you know, racial segregation, those biases were very unhelpful and wrong. Some of our biases are super useful. Like, ooh, get out of the way of the moving train. Right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um so what Journal, what good journalists do is they work to override their bias, right? Because if we all have them and it's how the human brain is wired, they work to override it so that they are present presenting both sides of the story. If there is, if there are two sides to the story, um, that they are presenting information in a way that is not, um, overly slanted, mm-hmm you know what I mean, and I think that's where we have gotten away from is that the slant on both the right and the left is so pronounced that we just are like, I don't know what to believe. Right,
0: right, <laughs> exactly. But mm-hmm. and and I don't mean to, um, you know, say all journalism is bad. I no, don't think of that's course so not. true. No, but what you are doing, um, at least in some interviews that I've heard and, and watched, some of your videos. I mean, you are going to. Um, you know, primary sources. Um, yep. And I think you're just like one step away from a traditional journalist, which is where like seeking out m- more primary sources. I think you've even done that in some cases, though. But mm-hmm. I mean, so I don't know it. But what it is, is it's got that effect of educating um, mm-hmm. the public on some very, you know, complicated topics like the mm-hmm. Electoral College and um. These things are made intentionally complicated in yes, some ways. They are, they to, are. And if I'm being cynical, which I am, I think they're intentionally <laughs> uh, made complicated to keep the public in the dark. And and mm. and that is tough. But where journalism really helps is that on that very local level, um, you know, that all politics is local, all journalism is local. But making change on that local level. Um, anyway, I am rambling right now, but what yeah. is, what would be your end goal perhaps with, uh, what you're trying to do?
1: Mm. See, my goal is not to get people to believe a certain thing.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: not to say, I'm going to convince you that my viewpoint is correct. Or, I'm going to tell you who the best candidate to vote for is. That's, that's never, I mean, that's not that interesting to me. You know what I mean? Like as an educator, that's, it's just not that interesting to get people who to parrot what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That that's not, I don't, I just don't care about doing that. I am much more interested in providing people with education so that they can make an informed decision on their own. It's mm-hmm. very hard to choose, uh, to make an educated decision. If you have no education on a topic, right? Yeah. If I'm like, what, what, uh, which snowblower should I get? If you don't even know what that does, how are you supposed to choose? right? You need education yeah. in yeah. an effort to like, if you want to choose the right model. So that that's where, you know, I'm not here to tell you which snowblower to buy, but I'm here to tell you how a snowblower works so that you can get the right snowblower for you.
0: Yeah. And you know, we, we got to say, you know, it, it depends if you want to get out there pushing it, yes. uh, you know, how big's your yeah. drive, you know, totally. And there's a
1: lot of factors you got to consider.
0: Yeah. You want a rider? Cool. or No, you want, yeah. could you just do a shovel? You know, that's is right. it overkill to get a snow that's right. plow now? If you
1: only have three stairs and you got all parking pad, maybe you don't need a hole blower.
0: Maybe no. Maybe
1: know? no. You just get out there and just do it real quick.
0: <laughs> that's, first of all, we got to talk about your accent because I think that's a big reason that people wanted us to connect to, uh, you know, what is your story? You born and raised in the Midwest?
1: I was, I was not born in the Midwest, but I moved here as a very young child. I moved to Minnesota when I was four. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you where I really honed my Minnesota accent is in the the classrooms of Washington, DC.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) Really? What did did they, did they pick out the accent and then you played it up?
1: A (laughs) hundred percent. Oh yeah. Uh, it, you know, just like going back home to visit family, visit my dad, grandpa, et cetera. Um, I realized that it's funny that that high school students found it funny and yeah. it was a way that I could get them to listen to me. And, and ultimately they really did. I used it. I leaned heavily into it. And there is a huge difference between, okay, sit down and like, Hey, you're I, Oh, are you out of your seat again? Oh no. Oh man. You got to sit down. That is They will cooperate with you a thousand percent more.
0: How could you you not? How how could could you
1: you not? not? That's right. (laughs) Like, okay, legislative branch. Let's go. Here we go. Let's talk about it. Um, Ultimately, 5,000 percent more interesting to students if I leaned on my accent and just like brought it out whenever I needed needed it. As a tool. Yeah. Like you pull out your Leatherman when you need it. Exactly.
0: You know, <laughs> it, it's so funny. The similarity between uh, that and sort of my thing, like anytime I was bombing in a stand-up set, I would go to my Wisconsin this before the Mantua men or anything. It was the one thing that would always save my standup yep. set was going to that. Oh. And, uh, it, but it's funny, like if you can make them laugh, you can make them listen. And that's right. Uh, so what was your, uh, path before, uh, going all in on social media? What, what were you doing?
1: I, well, I was a teacher for a long time, taught high school government and law. So that's uh-huh. where I learned, you know, via my college education and via, you know, being a teacher, etc. where I learned a lot of my. Yeah. Yeah. But I've also owned a couple businesses. Uh, I know that you used to work uh, doing something in the yarn industry.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I worked in the yarn industry for a while, too.
0: Uh, did you now? Now, oh, oh, yeah. and I got to let everyone know that, uh, they got to check out your podcast. Cause I, <laughs> I, I'm a guest on your podcast. This is an internal plug for your podcast yeah. now. Thanks.
1: Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah.
0: By the way, where can they get that? Before we get into the yarn oh. deal.
1: Yeah. Oh, all the places, All Apple, the spots. Spotify, yeah. all the
0: spots. Okay. Mm-hmm. Real good. Okay. we'll check that out. Now <laughs> let's talk about yarn. Cause I, there's a whole yarn story about my first job which i'm not going to tell here they got to go to your podcast to get that story (laughs) but let's hear about your yarn story
1: well you know i used to i i used to do knitting you know like like people do when it's cold you gotta wear the warm warm socks sure so i used to do knitting and then i started um dyeing yarn and sewing it and people were like, well, that is real pretty. I like that a whole lot. Wow. And I started doing like yarn shows and stuff like that. And let me tell you, Minnesota and Wisconsin, they know how to they, represent. They buy your stuff. Yeah. So I used to sell yarn, sell hand-dyed yarn to people who like to knit stuff.
0: Now, did you do this while you were doing the educating? While, yeah. Is side business kind yeah, of
1: deal? Yeah, a side hustle. Yeah. You got to make the money.
0: Sorry. Right. What was nobody's the, uh, paying teachers? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> well, th- there you go. There you go. And, and that's a whole other story we can yeah, talk about. Yeah. But what what was your other uh side business?
1: My other side hustle was uh photography.
0: Oh yeah, weddings and stuff. The
1: pictures, oh yeah. yeah, babies, the whole thing.
0: Babies, weddings, the whole deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Well,
0: and it's kind of nice because you, you know, and I know this being in the social media business. Now it's very, there's a lot of business elements you have to For sure. deal with and to blend, um, you know, you, both of these paths. It's is kind of, it's kind of like, uh, You know, a lot of people I think maybe get frustrated when they're on their career path and maybe they're doing this thing over here and they want to be doing that, but it all kind of blends together. That's right. You know, no work is lost, I guess. You learn something in every deal.
1: That's what you're doing now. You're learning skills that you absolutely will build on and it will take you to somewhere different down the road.
0: You just got to trust the path sometimes. Mm, mm -hmm. Now you've created, I mean, your growth has been really explosive um, on Instagram and, and the podcast and and, and everything. Um, what is, where are you at with it? Are you like at a place where, um, where this is what I'm going to keep doing? It's going to keep being sustainable. Are you looking for other avenues? Because I know for me, it took me a long time to get to the point of like, okay, it's not all gonna go away tomorrow, you know? Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. daily anxiety of like needing to come up with the next best thing, you kind of trust that, hey, I've been doing it long enough, I can keep doing it. Are you Mm -hmm. at that place with it yourself?
1: I think I'm getting there, you know, like you, exactly (laughs) like you said, you're like, are people still gonna be interested in this later? Right. I don't know. Are they only interested in it today? Yeah. Or, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I think, yes, once you've been doing it for a while, you learned that, like, actually people are going to continue. Turns out people are still going to be interested in politics for a while longer.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> for a little while longer. So yeah, I'm working at a book project. I, you know, like my podcast keeps me really busy and I, You know, this is absolutely what I want to be doing. It's for me, and I bet you can relate to this. It's more about um, you have plenty of opportunities. It's about choosing the right opportunities. Right?
0: Yeah. And for a while, it's like you know, you read that book Yes Man or whatever, and you're like, (laughs) I just need to say yes. But
1: say yes. At
0: some point, you learn that saying yes to one thing is saying no to other things. So you've got yeah, exactly. You got to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. I have a bad, I, I'm not good at doing that, to be quite frank <laughs> with you. Um, but you, you're, I, I think that what you're doing is going to be just going to continue to explode because we've come to this place in uh, society, um, in American society, but very, you know, very specifically in the Midwest, too, where people are very prone to believing just bullshit. And and I'm talking about QAnon specifically. That's one mm. thing that's coming to mm. mind. Mm. Um, but there are so many conspiracy theories out there. And look, we're mm-hmm. in America, like the home of the con- the great conspiracy theories <laughs> started here. And some of them are fun. Aliens, mm. you know, them exist for real. Birds, you know? birds
1: aren't real. Birds but are that's not a fun real. One
0: contrails, that's you know, the yep. whole deal. Oh yeah, but. Let's talk about QAnon uh, for a second, because I know you've done um, some great work sort of debunking a lot of those. Why did you choose that topic to kind of go after?
1: Mm. Well, first of all, I started seeing how damaging it was. This was not, you know, like, hey, if you want to believe in aliens, that don't affect me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It does not affect me if that's what you want to believe. You want to believe in Bigfoot or whatever. I I don't care. It doesn't Mm -hmm. affect me. Go ahead, knock yourself out. Um, mm-hmm. People in the real world were taking real actions um, that, in some cases, that were dangerous, that are affecting all of us. Mm-hmm. So this was a, something that I was like, "This is this is not something that I can just uh, be like, oh yeah, good for you, buddy." Also, the number of people who were telling me that they're they have lost family members to this, mm-hmm. they have lost. And by lost, I mean like they don't they don't speak to their uncle anymore. Mm-hmm. Um they, it has fractured their family, so it, it has done a lot of damage to families, to communities. Um, and it's based in it's not based in reality. And that's part of what is frustrating, as I'm sure you know, as a as a longtime journalist. Um, like starting with what the facts of the story are, are, that's a very important premise, right? Right. Like the the facts are an important premise of any journalism piece you want to do. And so we, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but not everybody is entitled to their own set of facts. Mm -hmm. We need to agree on a common set of facts in order to make any real progress in the United States. If we're arguing about facts, uh, that puts us in a tough spot.
0: What about somebody who says, um, like with climate change, Ted Cruz makes this comment a lot that the science is never settled. And on the face of it, I will say it's true. The science is never settled. Mm -hmm. However, there's a certain amount of facts that we have to use to guide us, right? Like on climate change, for instance, Where what do the facts tell us about that in your opinion? Mm. And maybe this isn't a topic you've studied a bunch, but
1: sure. Well, okay, so the idea that the science is never settled, um, that is the scientific method. Mm -hmm. That's all science, right? We don't we didn't just decide in um 1875 that the solution to all disease was leeches. Right. Right. <laughs> we we didn't just like, well, it's settled. <sighs> like we, we continue to study, and when we get new information, it's important that we take that new information and make decisions based on, you know, like the way to get rid of bad information is to replace it with better information. Right. And so, of course, all science, climate change, health sciences, etc., all science continues to evolve any our understanding of science i should Mm -hmm. say our understanding of science continues to evolve we should never just be like it's settled because that is actually a really dangerous place to be now does that mean that because quote unquote the science isn't settled that we should do nothing that the answer to that is also no because that, then we would be stuck back with the leeches, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean. Yeah. Like we would just be like, "Oh, cancer leeches, headache leeches." You know, we can't, we can't be stuck with the leeches. That's that's my new uh, catchphrase. Yeah, like, it's oh, good. can't go yeah. back to the leeches, guys. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean that we don't take any action based on the best information available to us, Right. right? right. So, I mean, I think that there is. Um, we also think about the idea of consensus, right? That when you have all of these, you've like, let's just make a, make up a number, a thousand scientists who are all uh, saying, I've done my independent research. Here's what my research says. Another scientist saying, I've done my independent research. Here's what my research says. And then looking at that body of evidence and making decisions based on that body of evidence, that is much different than just being like, well, the science isn't settled.
0: Right, because you know it I never mean? is. It, it will never,
1: never be settled. That's yeah. science. That is the definition of science. We want science to progress. We don't want our doctors making it uh, medical decisions based on what they knew 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. We want them to know all the latest, all the updates, all the things that are new, because that is science.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because uh, conspiracy theories a lot of times will start off with, uh, or the people promoting them will have truth and that truth could be the science is never settled truth 50 years ago they were giving people x y and z and they said that was the most scientifically best thing for you and then they'll then take their uh they'll create another what they'll call a truth but it's basically false like all vaccines are terrible for you you know so it it's like that that's i think the pattern do you find that when specifically when you were studying like the qanon stuff mm-hmm. is that a pattern that you you found in your research
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean so people who tend to go far afield with conspiracy theories like qanon or similar things to it mm-hmm. tend to have a few things that are in common number 1 they tend to not have strong social ties Meaning they tend to be the people who are not close to their families, don't have a lot of friends, maybe don't have a job. They have a lot of fun coworkers with, they, mm. they don't have a lot of social ties. And so engaging in that kind of behavior or rhetoric or community, um, you know, a conspiracy theory community gives them social ties mm. because humans uh, naturally need that. We naturally need each other right? Like you would naturally need your 11 brothers and sisters, every, oh, yeah. every last well, one of them.
0: Ah, it depends on the day. But, <laughs> all <you know. laughs> 100 cousins, yeah. we need all of them. Yeah,
1: we, we naturally need those social ties. And so believing in those kinds of things gives people social ties they didn't have before. Sure. And then secondly, because they lack that, those social ties, they also lack social capital. And what that means is people uh, tend to not have a lot of influence. They tend to not be admired by others. And again, I'm speaking in broad generalities, but what believing in those kind of conspiracies does is it makes them feel like they know the secret truth. They know the secret truth and that is social capital. Mm. And so it gives them this sense of belonging. And it gives them a sense of having social capital where before they had neither of those things. And so it fulfills a very important emotional, emotional component for people. Um, in In many cases, it's more about the, the emotional component of, I have social capital, I have social connections than it is well, I've uncovered the best snowblower.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what
1: I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's really not about that. It's really about what they're getting out of it.
0: Yeah. And what I really admire about you, just, um, in addition to the, um, just focusing on facts, it's also focusing on, uh, empathy and the way you approach somebody who may not agree with you, because as you just said, I mean, that's sad that that they yeah. don't have that sort of the that's people right. who tend to believe in this don't have those strong family bonds that's or right. they are by them. So you've got to approach them not like they're the enemy when that's difficult because the net result of what they're doing is damaging to other mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. but we can't fi- we can't fix it with just you know just being abrasive. So how that's do right. we how do we do that?
1: Yeah if screaming at people, worked, <laughs> yeah,
0: the world would be a better place. A while ago. <laughs> yeah.
1: I could have already fixed it. Yeah. If it just go out and yell at him. Yeah. Um, also if shaming people into a certain behavior worked, nobody would be an addict. Mm-hmm. Nobody would be, um, you know, morbidly obese, you know, all of that. If shaming people Mm-hmm. was a, an effective tool for behavior change mm-hmm. we would have solved a lot of other problems we would just shame people into uh into believing the right thing right so neither of those things actually work. This is the other infuriating thing, Charlie is that the more you argue with somebody about their deeply held beliefs, the more they tend to believe it mm-hmm. and that is that is frustrating for people who are like, that is not real. It's not real. Like you want to just kind of like yank them out of the pool by their hair and be like, you're drowning in there, buddy, get out of the pool. Um, but they tend to cling more deeply to their beliefs, the more you yell at them about it. So that is the other, that's frustrating. So arguing doesn't work, uh, shaming them doesn't work, yelling at them doesn't work. And so really, um, the only tool, this is not just my opinion. This is based on all kinds of research by, uh, people far more qualified than me that actually study these things. Um, the, the tool that we have is providing education so that when people are interested in learning f- facts, that they have those facts available to them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that they don't just type into Google, um, is my conspiracy theory true? Like they're not, that's not how that works. You know what I mean? Like is my, am I believing lies? Like they're not, they're not typing that into Google. Is this a lie? Um, They need access to the, to real information. um, And they need somebody who is willing to extend that hand that of like, hey, I'll help you out of the pool if you need it. Like here, grab onto my hand and I'll help you out. That is way more effective than any of the other you know the shaming tools the screaming tools but but it's hard that that therein lies the problem is being empathetic and providing education those are both labor intensive Mm -hmm. and they both are kind of antithetical to what you want to do Mm -hmm. and what i want to do so don't don't take this as a like she's got it all figured out and she's totally emotionally mature. What I'm saying is I want to yell at people sometimes and it's, I have to work at not doing it. But the more we practice that, the better we can get.
0: Yeah. I mean, and uh, I think what this happens on the left a lot and it drives me absolutely crazy is, you know, there's a lot of like smartest person in the room stuff going on and the knowledge is there that, yelling at someone, shaming someone uh, doesn't work, but it feels better. And I think a lot of people in the moment. moment, Yeah. But Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. that's what uh, that a lot of that goes on in the in the left. I'll just say it it happens Mm -hmm. a lot. I mean, it happens on the right, too. But I think most recently, the left has been very guilty about that. And we've seen the the result. I mean, uh, the Trump presidency was a pretty good example of that the left would be like how can you be this stupid and people just doubled down on their support for trump and trump was right he could shoot someone in the middle of fifth avenue he would still get that because people fuse their identity to him and I don't. That's a whole the other. The more thing. people
1: argued and the more people shamed of like what kind of idiots mm-hmm. would do the following things, the more tightly people clung to those beliefs. Yeah,
0: you saw them cling to that deplorable uh, label, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, but putting it out there saying, "Hey, this doesn't work," is also great information because. Just in the same way you don't want people believing in QAnon, you don't want them believing uh, continuing to scream on social media or whatever that's right. is, is going to be the thing.
1: No, nothing good has ever changed in the world from people drop mic dropping in mm-hmm. the comments. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like mic drop, boom, burn, <laughs> I win. The world's better now. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's That is also not a thing. It feels good to be like, I got, I mic dropped them. Yeah. But actually nothing changed whatsoever. No, nothing, nothing positive occurred.
0: No, I think there was a time. And I think that was like when, when Jon Stewart, do you remember when he went on crossfire? Yes. Uh, and, he, and <laughs> which was very funny. But I think that like, and and his show was very new at that time. And he yes. really took politicians to task uh, yes. On the right and and the left, and but I think he also uh, gave rise. And at that time, that sort of media was very powerful. I think yeah. because it called out um, those in power and and made them us uh, see the foolishness there. But since mm-hmm. then, I feel like so many comedians have uh, kind of done that and overdone that. And now the 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 um, it, like the whole media landscape, even traditional journalism, has gone into kind of this like this jokey, but bad jokey kind of catty sort of mm-hmm. way of approaching burn it, burn mm-hmm. mode. And now it's yeah. social media is here and it's just exploded. Yep. And uh, so it's all become white noise. And yes. I think what you're doing is is you are breaking through the white noise mm-hmm. and I, I really applaud you for that. I think that's amazing. Thank you, Thanks. Uh, um, What issues right now do you think need the most education? from the public Mm. on what issues Mm. do you think the public needs to be the most educated on now Mm. that they're not
1: yeah I mean there's a few things that are coming up as we are you know approaching the midterm elections later this year Mm -hmm. as we are you know moving into you know after the midterm elections I hate to break this to everybody because everybody's gonna be like oh no but after the midterm elections like one year from now is when the presidential race is going to start heating up again. And people are like, are you kidding me?
0: Oh, Pete
1: for uh, the for love. Oh, I out do loud. not want to listen to two years of that baloney. <laughs> no, I mean, that's literally the position of every American. I, you know totally, what I mean? totally, Li- literally. Yeah, my husband and I, you know, obviously, my husband has a PhD in political science. I obviously do this for a living. You probably could not find two people who are more like plugged in and care more about this kind of stuff. And even after the last election, we were like, I am exhausted.
0: Yeah, know. you know what I mean? And yeah. if we're
1: like, if we're exhausted,
0: <laughs> like right,
1: the nor now, I don't mean to say normal, but I mean, people who have like, I just work at the I just I work at the target, you know, like whatever. They, they don't do this for a living. They were exhausted 18 months ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, issues that people need education on right now is understanding. I really think understanding the congressional redistricting process in their own states. Yes. Because this is how this is going to dramatically impact not just who is going to represent you in Congress. It will impact that. But the makeup of your district is going to have a lot of influence on your local elections. It's going to have a lot of influence on policies that are hyper local to you, literally things about like snow removal in your community, things that actually affect your daily life are impacted by the redistricting process in your own state. So understanding how it is meant to work in your state, um, and holding the people who are in charge of that, holding those people to task, like turning on the big flashlights and being like, what are y'all doing in here? Mm -hmm. You know, um, because the the idea is that you know democracy dies in darkness right like the more lights we can turn on in the room the better off american citizens are and that's that is really i believe very strongly in that that if we can become educated on a topic we have a lot more power than if we do not understand what is happening so that's well, one thing
0: well with redistricting um you know when we were speaking about this on your podcast as well, Wisconsin is terrible when it comes to gerrymandering and intentionally uh, rigging the game in one political mm-hmm. party's favor in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. it's Republicans right now who are doing it, but if you go to Illinois it's it's Democrats mm-hmm. so but the um so it's not a right left thing in Wisconsin no. it happens to be a Republican focused thing right now. but you know the the Democrats when they have power, are they doing what uh, should be done, which I think is sort of the Iowa model of having sort of an unbiased or an algorithm or a computer model or something do it? Not these little squiggly lines that a, a partisan uh, group is drawing to just mm-hmm. make sure mm-hmm. um, that they get stay in power. Um, Yeah. What is is there a model that maybe it's Iowa, maybe it's not. Is there a model that you think can be replicated to sort of make this more fair?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in some ways, Michigan is kind of being held up as this model of like, listen, almost all of our races are competitive over here. Mm -hmm. And we appointed an independent, nonpartisan group who is not part of any elected body to work on this issue. Um, So yes, I do think algorithms can be a good place to start. Sometimes algorithms don't understand the nuance of the situation as much as uh, humans do. But it can be a great place to start, and then humans can kind of tweak it from there as needed. But ultimately, it's very important, in my opinion, to have an independent group made up of people from the breadth of the political spectrum that we're not just going to have a group that is made up of Republican lawmakers or Democratic lawmakers who are interested in preserving their power. Because guess what? All people in power are interested in staying in power. Right. That is just like that's kind of human nature. doesn't matter, you know, if you have a, a donkey or an elephant next to your name, you're probably interested in in consolidating and retaining power. I can mm. almost promise you. So having a group that is made up of A variety of ideological viewpoints. Who is not? They are not part of an elected group where they are worried about getting reelected. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yes. They're they're appointed, or you know, they're whatever methodology a state wants to use. But they're not running for re-election where they're trying to make people happy. They're they're concerned about doing what's right instead of doing what's popular.
0: The counter to that would be, or I've heard politicians make this: is it's impossible to have an unbiased uh, party or an unbiased group of people doing it. So the concern is that whatever group of people you get together to do this, they're going to have, they can be just as easily swayed as the politicians. What do you say to that? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think that's why it's really important to have people from a variety of viewpoints. You know, like we're not just going to say appoint our best friends who are all Democrats or we're not going to just like get our all get our grandpas who are all Republicans together to do this. Nobody is without bias. Nobody. And so that is why having those uh, that variety of viewpoints represented on one panel where they must reach a consensus instead of having one group steamroll over another group that consensus building is. An important part of the process. And you know, it all human, all things humans put their hands to, all government that is run by humans, it's going to be flawed. There is never going to be a perfect system without flaw. That's just not humanly possible. Mm -hmm. But we can doesn't mean that we shouldn't work to improve. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that we shouldn't every day be like, it would be more fair if we did the following things, if we got three Republicans and three Democrats together Mm -hmm. to look at this issue and have the motivation of creating competitive races in as many districts as humanly possible.
0: Right. Because the other side of that, though, if we continue down this road, and I'm just saying this for folks who may not understand the gravity of this, what you have is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a very, um, you have a very Republican or a very Democrat, uh, stronghold of a district. The only way that those races are going to have a another candidate is if they are more liberal or more conservative. So, because you're not going to get someone who's like a Democrat winning a Republican district. So, That's right. So it's mm-hmm. and this is sort of how we get these more extreme politicians. Mm-hmm. Would that be That's correct right. in saying?
1: Yes. If you, you know, I really believe that 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 competition is better for everybody. Right. And if, you know, how many people do you know? I will tell you that I know dozens of people who in the last presidential election felt like they were voting for the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. That many people felt like, I don't love either of these people, yeah. right? And and that is, you know, ha- having polled my audience, that is a very common feeling. Like you are almost politically homeless. Like, I don't like any of this. Mm-hmm. Like where, up. Uh, pff- I don't like you and I don't like you. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and so more choices is better. And it people, we're not going to have more choices as long as districts remain heavily skewed to one side or the other. Now, in some places, it's impossible to create districts that are, you know, sort of more, more evenly divided, especially when you're talking about rural areas that tend to lean heavily to the right. There's no, like, you can't draw a district that is 800 miles long. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you have to be like, okay, well, the people of central Wisconsin, like, here you go. But to to some extent, it's just not possible, but when it is possible, I do think we would be experience less political polarization. We would experience better choices. We would feel more invested in the process. If we had districts that were laid out in a more competitive manner, who's going to win? I don't know, nail biter. That is actually a good thing. It's a good thing to have a nail biter on election day. Yeah. You want those nail biters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing for yeah. democracy to uh, bite your nails on election yeah. day.
0: Means it's working good.
1: It's working as it's supposed to, okay.
0: Yeah, and spit those nails out the car window. I don't want to find any boomerangs in the glove box. Honest to Pete.
1: Gross. That's disgusting. Honestly, now. Roll down your window, get them going 50 MPH, (laughs) like you're supposed to.
0: Oh, that accent's great. I can't wait to do a video. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse the interruption, ladies and gentlemen, but I just wanna thank the the sponsors of this podcast. First and foremost, Jolly Good Soda, the title sponsor. They've been so good to us, and uh, it's a great soda. I've enjoyed it since I was a kid. You can get it if you go to any grocery store in Wisconsin. You just get on up there and you ask them for that Jolly Good Soda, they'll point you right toward it. If they don't have Jolly Good, just say, hey, right, are you gonna get that Jolly Good in or no? And they, they probably won't say or no to your face. Uh, but if you still can't find the grocery store, just go to JollyGoodSoda.com. You can order it right offline. You can order their merch, and that goes for anybody anywhere in the U.S. Uh, if you don't have it in your own local grocery store. Also, I want to thank Duluth Trading Company for being a proud sponsor of the cast or at least a sponsor of the cast And their clothes, I will tell you, are something I'm proud of uh, wearing every day because it's great stuff. It's designed, and the whole deal right here in the Midwest uh, right in Wisconsin actually, Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. Uh, great folks working over there. We've done a ton of fun videos with them. They've been an absolutely amazing partner and their clothes are fantastic. They've got everything, but what, what what I like about Duluth is that they really just focus on the most practical clothes you can get. So if you have a job that needs to get done, Duluth Trading Company, they got the clothes they will help you get that job done, okay? and i will tell you it's fashionable stuff too okay bottom line dilute trading company comfortable clothes fantastic clothes check them out dilutetrading.com finally we've got valentine's day coming up is it really coming up or are you just saying that for the purposes of this ad probably the latter and what better way to say i love you to your special someone than something that says watch out for deer and luckily for you if you go to cripescast.com click on the merch section uh we got uh, we got shirts that says watch out for deer koozies that say watch out for deer we got lures that say watch out for we got the whole deal okay and if watch out for deer is not the way you want to say i love you to your special someone well that don't worry we got keep moving shirts we got ope shirts we got uh tell your folks i says hi and everything in between cribbage Sports too fishing lures Koozies, did I say? Yes, you did, Charlie. You're forgetting what you're saying. You should get back to the podcast. Okay, thanks so much for listening to the ad section. Uh, we'll see you real quick. Once, bye bye. Now, how have you found in terms of creating content? uh, you know, like the reels, obviously, really take off, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you do you always find yourself um, like TikTok and all these things uh, uh, trying to? always keep up with the the most prevalent way that things are going? Does that get frustrating for you? Or do you see that as like a- I
1: just, I can't care.
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) I just
1: like, I'm going to keep doing what works for me because that's what's sustainable, Yeah, right? I'm not out here trying to be Charlie (laughs) D'Amelio. I am not trying to do Amy dances poolside (laughs) with my crop top. Like it's not, that's not happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, there's a space for her. I don't need to be Kylie Jenner with 15 million Instagram followers. I think that was literally the statistic I saw this morning. She has 15 million Instagram followers. Um, I, I don't need that. You know what I mean? Like she can do what she's doing. Charlie D'Amelio can do what she's doing. Some people are great at doing all those, you know, dances and whatever. And some people are good at doing Midwestern accents. <laughs>
0: You know, and you're really a pro at that. I tell you that right now. <laughs> hey, Listen,
1: tip of the hat to you, buddy. You
0: know, listening to you is like, uh, you're, you, that accent smooth as brandy, okay?
1: Yeah, it goes smooth down as, real easy. It
0: does, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Warms you
1: up on a cool it, day after you shovel.
0: <laughs> it sure do. <laughs> uh, have you found that your audience uh, has like, what, what what you're doing, I think you've, I and I've looked in your comments. Most of them are positive and, and great. Do you think that's going to turn at some point? Because when you are when your business is in giving facts, those are very inconvenient for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Do you have people attacking you for your um, bias a lot?
1: That's such a great point. That facts tend to be inconvenient for people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, some facts facts are going to be inconvenient for at least somebody. Yeah. Right. If I am like, well, I'm sorry, but those are the facts. Somebody is not going to like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. So you know, I do. There's always going to be people who uh, think you're the worst. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've experienced that people oh, yeah. feeling like you're the worst. And you're kind of like, well, then let me help you unfollow me. <laughs>
0: right,
1: right. <laughs> Allow me to assist you. Yeah. Um, there will always be people who think you're the worst, and that is unavoidable. I will say that like 95% of my uh, my community is fantastic. And they're tired of mm. You know they're tired of the people who are doing like the drive-by commenting, mic drop, drive-by commenting. Right. That's that's, it. Gets old. It gets old to live in a constant state of self-induced rage.
0: Doesn't it? You know,
1: like it's not fun for me. I I I don't. I recommend that. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. I see. I also you know somebody messaged me this the other day like you could people have said well would you ever like to get a job on cable news channel etc doing commentary and i've always been like heck no i have Hmm. no time for that in part because i like to laugh too much yeah i will make everything that possible a joke um and to me that actually helps me learn better, you know. Like yeah. I like to have fun while I'm doing things, yeah. and I will stick around much longer if I'm having fun doing something. Right, and I'm feeling in that that state of self induced rage, which is like seems like so much of social media. That's not fun.
0: No, it's not.
1: It is no fun.
0: No, it but no, but it's and the people who are doing it can't have fun. But why do they keep doing it? They gain followers do i mean why is tucker carlson get up there and furrow his brow every night and um say stuff that he knows is bullshit why money 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 and uh, that's it i mean that's money
1: that's the answer is money is that the people again no this is not an indictment on tucker carlson because there are people on msnbc that do it too they do it for money people are not watching you know like the the whole model of like john stewart and, uh, Stephen Colbert, you know, Mm -hmm. like where they made politics funny, um, that, you know, there's still a place for that, I think. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, my brand of humor on Instagram is not about making fun of politicians. Mm -hmm. Um, I, most of the time I'm making fun of myself,
0: right. You know what I mean?
1: Like most of the time I'm laughing at something, you know, I'm making fun of my own self instead of making fun of other people. Um, but, that there's a tremendous amount of money to be made. Do you know who Alex Jones is? InfoWars? Oh,
0: sure. Oh, yeah. He
1: made $165 million over three years. Uh,
0: selling his own uh, supplements. Supplements. You know? Yeah, and, quote unquote.
1: And living in a state of of self-induced rage.
0: Right. Uh, but <laughs> it it's like the chicken and the egg thing. It's You can't just do that and expect people have to want that. So why do you think... So many people have demanded that for so long.
1: Mm-hmm. It's comfortable. When you like you just said, facts are facts are inconvenient. Mm-hmm. We prefer to hear parroted back to us what we already believe. Mm-hmm. That's comfortable. It's comfortable to have somebody tell us such and such person is an asshole. Mm-hmm. And here's why you should hate them. Mm-hmm. Um that is way more comfortable. You're like, yeah. Fist bump on that one. That feels more comfortable to us than listening to the inconvenient truth. Right. Or listening to multiple perspectives. It actually growth is uncomfortable kind of by definition. Mm-hmm. Didn't you ever get growing pains growing up?
0: Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. So by definition, um, we seek out information that is our validates our already held beliefs. That mm. is humans. The human minds, natural state. We want it to be easy. Um, and then there's just these companies that have the capital behind them to push out that information to you, um, in a very digestible form, whether, whether that's listening on the radio, watching it on social media, watching it on cable, the companies with the capital to serve you up the information, um, they can reap significant benefits from doing that significant benefits. It's, there's make no mistake. There's a massive profit motive behind oh. it
0: a massive profit motive yeah, a hundred percent. yeah. but for you when you're creating your content, how do you make sure how do you make sure what you're saying is um, as true as possible? Mm,
1: I think it's important to first of all start from the perspective of I am not here to sell you my viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I would much rather have people feel like, huh, well, I have a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah. You know, to me, I'd rather somebody walk away with being like, hi, I have a lot to think about than to be like, yeah, I believe all of the, everything she just said. So that's part of it. It starts with an ideological viewpoint towards education versus an ideological viewpoint towards argumentation. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's important to get information from multiple places. Right. We should not like, you know, this as a journalist, you don't just like take somebody's word as gospel and be like, I, be- I believe everything they say, right. that everything, every word out of their mouth is a fact. Uh, it's important to dig up primary sources. Um, it's important to, you know, like for example, I recently saw a video that was an interview um, between a journalist and a politician. And I watched the video and I was like, are you kidding me? That's horrible, that's horrible. The politician sounds horrible. Uh, that the politician literally sounded drunk. Mm. And I was like, is that person drunk in this interview on NBC? What? You know, like I, I, I I couldn't believe it. Um, And then when I dug up the original video, well, no, the person who had posted the video had purposely slowed down the video when the politician was talking Mm. to make it make their speech sound slurred. Mm. So finding the original sources. To Like, who originated this data? Where is it? Like, are we reading the bill? Did you actually read the bill? Or are you just parroting what somebody told you? The original sources um, are really important to me.
0: Have you ever uh, been wrong?
1: Oh, gosh, yes. Every, anybody who has, says they've never been wrong uh, is is lying or incredibly self-absorbed.
0: Or I guess, have <laughs> you done it in a video where you put out a video, it did well, and what you put out was wrong?
1: Uh, not a video, but there have, there was a, um, I'm trying to think there's something recently where, oh shoot, it's going to escape me now. There was something recently. It'll come to me in a moment where it appeared at first as though something had occurred. And then once more facts came out about it, that was not the case. You know what I'm saying? Where it it, it appears that the following thing occurred. And then you're like, oh, that actually didn't happen. Right. Um, I'll think of what it is. But that was something that happened not that long ago where it appeared that something occurred. And then that had to be, you know, by by a lot of people because that was, was being misunderstood and misreported widely. Yeah. And then people had to be like, that was not actually what occurred at all.
0: And so what do you do when uh something like that happens on your channel?
1: Hmm. Any reputable source, any reputable source corrects the record, right? When, when somebody never corrects the record, that means that they are not a reputable source because they are unwilling to have a commitment to the facts, right? Right. Like if your allegiance is to the facts, then your goal should be to make sure that the facts are as accurate as possible. So if you never, ever correct anything, um, it doesn't mean that you never made a mistake. It just means that you are not willing to say, hey, I made a mistake.
0: Right. Yeah. So like you, I had a
1: typo on my channel yesterday. I had a typo that changed the meaning uh, of the word. Um, and so I had to go be like, hey, this was a typo.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what a reputable person does is admit when they made a mistake.
0: Yeah. It, it's. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's pretty standard practice. Uh, and yeah. what's the most frustrating is when you have these people uh, kind of dressed up as journalists, you know you know doing their thing and they're and they look like journalists especially to like you know my grandma or whatever if she's yeah. watching but they're not you know it's like it's yeah. uh Rachel Maddow or or Tucker Carlson or one of yeah. these uh you know and they're entertainers mm-hmm. and they're i I think they're not good entertainers but that's what they are but they they're almost impersonating journalists and I think that's a huge problem. Journal-
1: well. Journalist impersonation yeah, needs to be illegal.
0: It, well, yeah. Or uh, but uh, it just goes to, you know, more of the reason that the content you put out is so necessary. So thank you mm. for doing it. Thank you. Now, is there anything uh, that I uh, didn't ask in this that you're like, you know, honest to Pete, I wish he would have just asked me this.
1: She's <laughs> Louise. She's Louise. Um, I like the word Louise so much. I gave one of my kids the middle name Louise. So I could use it as as much as needed. Yeah.
0: When you're angry, that's when you bring that one out. Oh, Louise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you say holy buckets?
0: Uh, My aunt uh, who lives up in Minnesota, um, she says that and she would if something was gross, she'd say gross buckets
1: gross buckets gross Ooh. buckets is a good gross bucket yeah. I don't use that one when my husband moved to here he was like what is a holy bucket <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know about that one
0: <laughs> yeah it's the bucket that we got at church with the mop in it that's a holy that's right. bucket
1: it's holy <laughs> do you say rammy no like oh stop being so rammy
0: no what you're no? educating me here today what does rammy mean <laughs>
1: Uh it means it's a shortened version of rambunctious. Oh and it means like a kid who's just bouncing off the walls.
0: He's just rammy today. He's I don't so know. He He's so rammy. He takes you <laughs>
1: Yeah. Exactly. Why are these kids so rammy? They need to get outside and play.
0: Honest to Pete. Do you honest ever, Do do you say horse apiece?
1: Horse apiece, no.
0: Oh, it's actually I think that might be more of a Wisconsin term, but horse apiece mm. means like You know, uh, six of one, half a dozen the other. You say that?
1: (laughs) No, I do say, oh, six of one. You just say six of one.
0: Six of one.
1: Six of one.
0: Well, that's what horse of peace means, you know? It means (laughs) uh, either way, you know? Either
1: way, six of one. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It don't matter.
0: And you say screwed the pooch? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, oh, oh, for cute.
0: Off oh, for cute.
1: Oh, for cute.
0: Now, what's your definition uh, of off for cute?
1: I mean, big, big range. It could mean a lot of different things. It could mean bless your heart. Um, but it usually means like, oh, that's great.
0: Oh, that's, that's great. great. Okay. That's and great. Say, oh, that's great. Okay. And do you oh, have, for cute? Off for cute. Yeah. Can mm-hmm. you use it in a, in a, uh, uh have you ever used it in a uh, professional setting?
1: Oh, for cute. <laughs> oh, for cute. Probably not outside of Minnesota.
0: No. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. for cute. Yeah. You want to hear one other funny story before I, before uh you let me go, which is when I was teaching in Washington, DC, um, there are tons of deer there in town. Oh, town yeah. deer. Yeah. Tons. Just drive around and there's just like because nobody's killing them, right? And, nobody's and shooting the deer. So,
0: so much grass on the national mall and yes. all that. They yes. can run around it all just, willy-nilly.
1: Yeah. Suburbs full of deer, full Mm -hmm. of deer. Um, But many students have had so little exposure to wildlife that they grow up believing that deer are predatory and that you should run away if you see a deer.
0: Oh, and cute.
1: oh, man, I cannot tell you how much that made me laugh where I was like, I'm just going to get a deer head off my dad's wall. And I'm just going to open it. the classroom door and stick a deer head in, <laughs> and see what happens. They literally believe like it's going to get me. It's going to eat me. No amount of like it eats grass it eats plants (laughs) it eats leaves like it can't get you by definition it can't let's learn about herbivores it can't get you
0: (laughs) it doesn't want anything to do with you unless you got carrots
1: that's right if you have a snack sure but it does not want to eat you that i could not convince them that deer were not predatory
0: that's so funny
1: isn't that funny yeah
0: yeah oh my gosh Oh, for cute. That is too oh, good. Did you tell them to, to watch out for deer?
1: Yeah. Well, oh yeah. I mean, as soon as, once I learned that they were scared of them, then yeah. I needed to bring them up at any, every moment I'd get a PowerPoint and then click the next slide would be like a deer. <laughs> <laughs> click, be like a deer staring at you. <laughs> so scary. So scary.
0: That's great. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure those kids miss you.
1: Oh, well, maybe. Maybe it do not work. <laughs> I made them do homework. This
0: was a lot of yeah. fun. We'll yeah. uh, when I'm up there uh, in Duluth, we'll do we'll write a sketch and we'll do I, it. It's got to happen.
1: Absolutely.
0: Awesome. I'm excited right. about it. All right. Thanks, Charlie. Take care. And that is it for this week's episode of the Cripes Cast. Make sure you follow Sharon at Sharon Says So on Instagram, Sharon McMahon on Facebook, and at Sharon underscore says underscore so on Twitter. And also, do check out our podcast. It's the Sharon Says So podcast. You can get it anywhere you download podcasts from. And, of course, make sure you follow Krebscast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, of course, make sure you all have a safe week. Keep her moving. And while you keep her moving, Watch out for deer. Okey ducks. Bye-bye. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin. The badgers say it's the old Wisconsin jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot into walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you got to keep her moving.